morning, everybody. Man, what a service so far. Praise and worship was awesome. Dedicated little baby Jolie. This, you know, one thing I love about praise and worship, it sets the tone for the word. And we're going to go ahead and get into it. We're going to give us a little introduction. Actually, I'm going to pray first. And then we'll um, give a little introduction and we'll get into it. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for just how good you've been to us. We thank you for everything that's been said and done so far. We just pray right now, Lord, that you would speak through us so that whatever is said that is coming from you and not us. We just pray that someone in here, everyone in here will be blessed that our Marriages will be stronger, our families will be stronger, our communities will be stronger, and Freedom Church Gastonia would continue to grow and thrive. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So before we get started, for those of you who don't know us, we'll give you a little background. I'm Tom, and this is Michelle Gordon. Um, we've been married a little over 25 years. Uh, we have two kids, Michaela, who's 20. She's a uh, sophomore at Appalachian State. Our son, Miles, who's 17, he's a junior at Gaston Christian School. And Michaela actually came to be with us this morning. And we're not sure if she came to support us or to heckle us, but <laughs> we'll, we'll find out soon. Um, and another thing I want to mention is, before we get started, we want to thank Pastor BJ and Pastor Lisa for giving Amen. us this opportunity. Amen. You know, you didn't have to do it. We, we really appreciate it, and we don't take this lightly. And uh, last thing about our introduction, we'll... We've lived in Gastonia about nine years. We moved here from the great state of Georgia and even the greater city of Macon. So we've been here nine years and we ended up in a great place at Freedom Church. We did. We did. So we're gonna get started here. It's gonna continue like Pastor BJ said with the series Love Over Fear and we're gonna tag team it. So Michelle's gonna start off and then just we're gonna go back and forth. Amen. You look good today, church. You look, you, look, you look like heaven, but you look good. And I, as he said, I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you very much. And I'm pleased to be here with my blue-eyed man. So, you know, <laughs> been loving this man a long time. Um, I like to always give a disclaimer. So if something happens or is said that does not sit well with you, I like for you to be able to reach out to the right person. So you can email miles to cool gordon at gmail.com okay so that that's who you direct all your issues to if if this goes sideways him my 17 year old son he can fix it he'll square it all up but today is family focus and so what is a family a family is the foundational institution of society ordained by god it is constituted by marriage and is composed of persons related to one another by marriage, blood, or adoption. The family is a fundamental institution of human society. And we know in the Bible, since we are Christians here, we're a church, the family was the first institution that God created. And so he really, really values that. And so I'm going to read a scripture, Genesis 2, 21 through 25. It says... So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and, caught and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this, is at, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to the, his wife, 
and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So we see right here in this passage, right from the very beginning, the very first directive, and I, and I hate to bring this up, <laughs> but I will. God tells us, you know, the marriage takes precedent over our in-laws. And, and if you are a person like me, I am a mama's child. I love my dear mother. Anybody that knows me very well knows that. But when I got married to this dear man, Queen Louise, you know, she had to take a little step back. <laughs> and, and that's okay because that's right, because that's what God asked us to do. So, you know, when you cleave to something, you cling to it. You abide with it. So I have to cling to him more than I cling to anyone in my life because he is my husband. And, and this is for the moms right here. Because when we have a baby, Lord knows, because the moment I saw Michaela, the moment I saw Miles, you just fall so deeply in love with those babies. And then we have a tendency to make our husband second. And that's the wrong order. God didn't ask us to do that. He told us to cling to each other. Let's see, I guess I'm still going. Let's see. And so what does focus mean? Focus means to pay particular attention to. And we have a tendency in our American culture, we have a tendency to make a living. Someone meets you, they say, what do you do? And then you tell them what you do, and they tell you what they do. But we need to pay attention to our life. Because your life is more or less who you are. Your life is your faith, your family, how you care for others, how you care for your community. That's your life. Don't get so busy climbing that ladder or building your business until you leave your life behind. Because your relatives, believe me, they don't want to be left behind. And I mean, if that's your family, you created that family. It's your job to attend to it, not someone else's. So let's pay close attention to that. So what does love over fear look like in family life? Love over fear in a family life looks just like Jesus on a cross. Sacrificial, unconditional love. That's what love in a family looks like. Okay, we're going to jump right into the husbands and wives roles. And this can be a little, you know, a little tough for us to take sometimes. Um, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, I'm not going to read all of it just to save time. I'm just going to touch on three verses, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Ephesians 5, verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And verse 33 says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So we're given our roles right here. And if you really look into it, God doesn't ask an impossible thing, but he does ask a tough thing of us. Mm -hmm. When I sit back and look and see that I'm told I need to love my wife as Christ loved the church, that changes your view on how you do things, how you say things, mm -hmm. and it's not always an easy thing. Uh, the wives, if you notice, God tells the husband to love their wives, but he tells the wives to respect your husband. That is a powerful thing, because if you're not careful, you can say, well, 
she did this to me, he did this to me, he doesn't deserve that respect. Maybe she doesn't deserve the love Christ gave me. But it tells us in the scripture, it didn't ask us. It says, this is how a husband should love his wife. This is how a wife should love her husband. And there's a scripture in Jeremiah 31 and 3 that says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And you can take that scripture and put it into your marriage because loving kindness will get you a long ways. Amen. Always want to be right all the time, will not. And Amen. I speak right. from experience. Right. Right. Loving kindness draws, loving kindness drew me to Christ. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't it draw her to me? Why wouldn't it draw me to her? That is a great scripture. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 says, Two are better than one, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. This is not necessarily a marriage scripture, but it can be used. One, one is powerful when you're born again. Two together is even more powerful. And then not only when you are both believers, but when you are both believers and you are really following Christ and trying to live the example he set for us, that's an unbeatable force. We, we have a real enemy. We have a common enemy. He's a defeated enemy. Yes. We have to remember that he's a defeated enemy, but we have a real enemy. Mm. And when I, I read through the scriptures, not once did I ever see where Jesus ruled with an iron fist. Mm. Not once did he, was he a dictator. Mm. Not once was Jesus loved. He loved the unlovable. And sometimes in your marriage, it might not sound good, but sometimes you have to love the unlovable, and that's that person with the rings you exchange with. Yes. Sometimes I'm not lovable. You are all the time. You, you're mo but <laughs> sometimes thank, thank I'm you. not. Thank you. I mean, I <laughs> so basically, what we could take out of these scriptures is the husband's role is one of leadership and not dictatorship. You are, not, you are the head, but the head means a whole lot more than being the boss. The head means the way I take it, when this family goes good, it's us. If something goes wrong, it's on me. That's called leadership. Amen. That's called, that's called taking. Man, that's leadership. <laughs> that's church. leadership. And, and we all, well, for me, I like being right. I, w I was raised that you do everything to win. And sometimes you got to say in disagreements, you know, I, I really think I'm right, but it might be in my best interest not to let her know that I think I'm right. <laughs> so, so <laughs> but we have to learn that. Sometimes it's better to be wrong it's better to be right and not let them know and have peace in the home from either side. That's right. Sometimes you could be right, but say, you know what? This is not a, we can't pick, we have to pick and choose our battles. You can't fight every battle. I'll give us a little example and then we're going to switch it back over to Michelle. Recently I did something and I thought it was a good thing, but it, I see now how it could have came across as being a little bit bossy. We sit, I sit down and I came up with a budget, the Dave Ramsey's envelope system. We've used it before, we got away from it, and I came up with it, I typed everything out, and I took it to her and I said, here it is, here's what we're doing. And she's like, but we didn't discuss this. I said, but it's a good idea. <laughs> she said, but we didn't discuss it. But what ended up happening, we sit down, we went through it together, we made changes. My approach was wrong, the intent was good. The approach was wrong. We figured it out, we got it together, and just recently it actually helped us in some situations that came up. That's so right. sometimes it's not so much that you're trying to be a dictator. You, you think, you, I mean, if I think I did something right, I get pretty excited. I'm like, this, I don't know how often this happens. We'll put it on the calendar. <laughs> so, 
but we have to learn, we have to grow together. We have to know this isn't just about my decisions or your decisions. We're, we're one now. Amen. And, and really, that, that really wasn't that bad because I, I just kicked a little bit because I, I could just be that person, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, my son would say, Mama, you're just being a menace, you know, and I, I can be a little bit of a menace, but his heart was in the right place, and I thanked him for that. I said, thank you for looking out for our family. I appreciate that, you know. And so wives, the role of submission, and I know we hear that word submit, and it's like, oh, no, 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 no. I left my daddy back home when I got married, and I'm, I'm done with aunt to anyone but you know that's not what our Lord calls us to and so let's remember the Bible is a sacred book but the Bible is also a historical document um, so at the time that scripture was written it was in first century Greco-Roman culture where it was a lot of suppression so context does matter um, and it may be a grave mistake to just take this scripture to the detriment of women but I think we can pull the absolute out of the scripture. And the absolute is, again, back to our Lord, Jesus. Jesus is our great example. What, what did he say in the book of Luke in chapter 22? I believe when it was, his time was coming, his time was coming and he was there praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. And what does the Bible tell us? Jesus and his father is what? one and that's our marital relationship so submission in any way is not inequality you are being like your lord jesus is our greatest example and we should always be like him and that we get tripped up because the culture is telling us to demand all of our rights but marriage is in a place where you you know write your placards and start marching around your house in protest about what your rights are. I mean, you just try that and see how well that goes down in your home. Just, again, email Miles. Tell him how it went. Tell, tell him how that went. That's not a place, ladies. It, in a perfect world, you will have married a man who is Christ-like, who is loving, um, who, you know, who is all the things that we all desire in a husband. And it's not going to take anything away from you. And trust me, I, I'm saying this as a, every person in my family that live in my household could tell you I am a strong-willed person. And if I can do it, I do feel you can. <laughs> I, I, I do feel you can because as one well-versed in stubbornness and sin, very experienced in sin and not wanting to submit, and do what is right, not, not because, not grudgingly, do it as unto the Lord. Because again, he is our great example. Him and his father is one. And you know, when you get married, and I, I know our culture talks a lot about your happiness, but not Jesus. He talks a lot about your holiness, right? That's good, your marriage will help make you holy. It will, when you get out of your flesh, and you let Jesus lead, it'll make you holy. Amen? Can the ladies say amen? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> what else? Let's see. I keep forgetting what I'm supposed to be saying here. Okay. So a wise woman builds her house. Like, you could tear it down or you could build it. The proverb writer is correct. 
I mean, are we Christians here, church? Yes. So are we going to live by the Bible? Yes. Or are we going to live by culture? The wise woman builds her house, but an unwise one, you can tear it down with your hands. The Proverbs writer told us that. Being contentious, full of strife, full of anger. You know, learn to just follow the leadership. And you know, maybe, I mean, some husbands, look, some people are late bloomers. They got every crazy idea under the sun. You know, you've, you've had a thousand different things that you've had to get behind. None of them have panned out, but that's your man. That's your husband. That was your choice. You said yes. So you have to say yes to it all. When you say yes, you say yes to everything. So now that we talked about the roles a little bit, now here's an important thing we have to remember is agreement. Mm. We have Amen. to agree. Amen. Amos 3 and 3 says, can two walk together except they agree? Mm. So in agreement, we're talking about agreement in a marriage, in a family, you don't have to agree on everything because that's really not possible. Mm. But there are the major and the minor things. These major things we have to agree on. In our house, we agree on our faith. We believe in Jesus. We strive to live a Christ-like life. We, we strive to represent him well. There are certain things in our house we don't watch, we don't listen to, we don't do. Non-negotiable. We don't do it. But there are other things, and I've learned this. I have, I have matured somewhat in my views on things. There are things that we sit down as a family and talk about that five years ago I would have said no way, end of discussion. But now I say, you know, we have to pick and choose our battles. Yes. When you have your kids yes. and they're getting older, there are certain things, they're, they're not of the devil. They're not, she's not the water boy, she's not the devil mama. It's not that. <laughs> they're not of that, but they are things that we can be so strenuous on that you can push your kids away mm -hmm. on the major things. Mm -hmm. So we sit down, we have family discussions. When Michaela's home from school, we'll, we'll sit down. Sometimes we'll eat and we'll, we'll, we have a little piece of flooring when we've had our house redone. And it has on the back, you have the floor. Everybody gets a chance to speak. So if there's anything you want to put out there, it, it presents your case. It doesn't mean you're going to win it, but it's not one of the non-negotiables. You say, I would like to do this, and here's why. And as a family, that's a good thing. Agree. We have to agree on our faith. Uh, the way we run our home needs to be. Your finances. You can't have one person that wants to spend every penny and one person that wants to keep just save everything. Mm. They have to be in agreement on these things. And again, some things are not major things. Education, are you gonna educate your kids in the public school, in a private school? And we know right now what college tuition costs. Amen. These are decisions you have to make. Do you wanna go and have your kid in it with $400,000 worth of student loan debt? Or do you wanna do community college and, mm -hmm. and do a different route? These are major things. These are things that cause a lot of turmoil in marriages. So the major things we need to agree on, the minor things we can deal with, we can sit down and talk about. Amen. And so the next thing is, is your marriage your way? Now in the context of being a Christian, you know, that, that's our center church, we're Christians. So your marriage doesn't have to be a cookie cutter marriage. You know, don't compare, like don't look out into the world for your marriage, because the world is full of strife, deception, envy, I mean, all sort of things, cornality. You look up to God and the scriptures for your marriage because again, 
If you are a Christian, that, that's how you set the course of your life. Not by the culture, not by what you see others doing. You set that by God and the scriptures. And you know what? Honor Christ by living your unique story. Now, like us, you see our uniqueness right away. You may have noticed. <laughs> you, may, you, you may have noticed. So we, we live our, our unique story. In, in our household, we have to talk about race. We, we, we have to talk about Black Lives Matter. We have to. We've got a 20-year-old and a 17-year-old. We can't sit like, we can't just look away like nothing is happening. So we have to do it. But you know what we do? We do it all in the context of the Bible and scripture. You, you have to do tough things. And by all means, don't compare your life to someone's posted life on the gram or Facebook. Facebook makes everybody look sunny. We all look like Holly Berry on Facebook. Okay, and you know I don't look like Holly Berry. Come on, you know. And so don't compare your life to that. And by all means, when it comes to your children, keep them off of social media. Take a social media fast. So you know what, this week, off of so because it's destroying young girls' self-esteem, people are getting into the wrong things, so your marriage, your way, and back to agreement, you know, agree on Christ. We're, we're going to be a Jesus-loving family. Now, in, in our little family of four, I'm the most radical. I'll, I'll give them a praise. I sing all day, whatever. That's just how I express because I, I love Jesus. He is my all in all. I, I'm not ashamed to say that. That's just true for me. That's how I live my life. And, and the local church, get in a great, get in agreement on a great local church that you can get behind and serve in. Amen. Get in agreement on that. Get in agreement on your finances. Now, we are a rare couple. We both are very good with money. I mean, I would say I throw away, throw away more of it than he does, but we, we are both good with money, so that's a good thing. Get in agreement on child rearing. And mom, again, because I'm just going to speak to the moms because that's my lane. When your husband is disciplining your children, let him. Don't, don't get in the way of that because one day you're going to have regret. You, you know, every son he loves, he chastens. Isn't that what the word said? So you should, again, back to Jesus, back to the word. That's how we live. Now, your flesh, sometimes he's getting on the mouths. I'm like, Daddy, you know, and he's like, Michelle, Be because that's his son. And that's his job because one day some other dad is going to be walking his little sweet daughter down the aisle to Miles. And if you hadn't raised him, what is she going to get? What is she going to get? Because you can't stand for him to be in a little bit of upset for five minutes. Your little baby, that's what he said. He said, that's your little precious baby. That, that's what he'll say, and then Michaela said, "Yep, Daddy, that's her little baby." You see all, you see all that jealousy. You, you see, you see Miles, but I'm in there for you. I'm in there. I'm in there for you. But, but you know what? My flesh, I have to sit. I have to. I, usually, I just walk away. I say, I'm just gonna let them be. Back to you. All right. Now, next, we're gonna talk a little bit about the extended family, um, because I've heard people say this, and I can tell you is not true. When they say, I'm marrying you, I'm not marrying your family. Not true. Because we have been married a long time, and there have been way too many times where we would get phone calls early in the morning, 
late at night saying something happened, we need you to come. And not once did we look at the other one and say, that's your family. I'll be here when you get back. Amen. First of all, <laughs> try I that and see that. how it happens. <laughs> I know better than try that. <laughs> but, but your extended family, your spouse's family becomes part of your family. And that's a good lesson to learn when you're a young couple. And even if you've been married a long time, it's never too late to learn. Look, I know every, there are people in, their, in your in-laws. For me, I get along with all of mine. I, we get along good. Our families get along good. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got the person in the family that you go to the holiday, they start communion about 5 in the morning. By the time the cookout starts, they're hammered. So, but <laughs> they're still family. That's your family. That's, her family's mine. Mine is hers. Paul talked about this a little bit. He said in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, he said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Mm. You know, in a mm. marriage, it's not all about you. And if you, if you don't learn that real quick, your marriage can get sideways. Mm. For both parties, it's not all about you. You're, we have had a lot of times lately where our family members have been gotten sick, the health issues, and we're five hours away from all our family. So you know what we do? We get in the car and we go. You do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You can't be selfish. So Paul was telling us in so many words, grow up. Grow up. It, when you're a child, it's okay to act like one. When you're a grown man, you need to act like a man. Mm. My dad wouldn't let me act like that. He made sure he told us what it meant to be a man. So. Amen. So now we want to touch on singleness because a lot of times you talk about family and all you do is talk about the married folks and you have single folks in the midst. So, you know, what we wanted to say to single people is who, who was the greatest single that ever lived? Jesus. Gee, hey, look, somebody in here read their Bible. <laughs> Good job, class. Good job, Jesus. He was the greatest single that ever lived. And over in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 7 through 9, Paul is talking about being single or being married, and amongst theologians, you know, they argue about was Paul married, was he single. I personally do not feel that's the biggest get in the scripture. The big get is, again, he is telling us to be like our Lord. Whether you are single or whether you are married, the goal is to be more and more like Jesus. So just because you are a single does not mean you are second. And I, and I know the culture sort of works in pairs, but trust me, you would rather be single in peace than in a bad marriage. You, you would just rather that because that is a rough boat to row, church. Do not get in a hurry. Singles, don't go making, you know, tomorrow's decisions with today's emotions. Just think about it. If, if your life was a car and you let your feelings to be the driver. Now, feelings can be passengers, but they cannot be drivers. That's right. Because you will not make good decisions. Trust me, as someone who is experienced in that, it won't go well with you. Take your time. Don't be pressured from, you know, granny over here, baby, when you going to get married and have me some great grand young? Look, look, granny, I love you, but I'm not ready yet. And if you are single, don't run from your family of origin thinking a a man or a woman is going to be able to fill you up in all the things that went wrong in your childhood. They they will not. You get get in Jesus' family and he'll heal you and make you whole. And then maybe, maybe because marriage is not something to be entered into lightly. 
Look, it, it's not for the faint of heart. And marriage will teach you to be more like Jesus. So singles, have the proper patience. You, you go out and choose some man and he know three scriptures, John 3, 16, <laughs> Philippians 4 and 13, and Psalms 23. And you think he's the biggest Christian that ever walked the face of the earth. You, you know, get, 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 you know, you're 23, get you somebody that's 53, get their eyes on him. What, what does the Bible say? In the multitude of counselors, what, what is it? Safety. Yep. Safety. Because trust me, I've been 22 thinking I knew it all. I didn't. And, and your good decision making does not even happen. The psychologists say your frontal lobes are not even closed until you're 25 years old. We're running out of time, church. Yep. And we're going to try to get through this. Next, we're going to talk a little bit about kids. Uh, Proverbs 19 and 18 says, Chasing thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Mm. The definition of chasing is to inflict disciplinary or corrective punishment on, to visit with affliction for the purpose of moral improvement, to correct, discipline, or chastise. Mm -hmm. Moral improvement. Look at our society today. Do we need some moral improvement? Oh, yes. amen. I mean, whether it's your politicians, your athletes, your entertainers, it doesn't matter. If you look at the world today, you've got grown people acting like kids and kids thinking they're grown. Everything is so backwards. Um, start at an early age raising your kids. Mm -hmm. That's for the, you know, the younger parents with the younger kids. Start early raising your kids. Um, Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The word train actually means to bend a sapling, a little tree. You bend it when it's young, mm. because it, when you wait till that tree is grown and try to bend it, you're not going to do anything with it. Mm. When you try to raise their kids when they're 15 or 16 and they've run roughshod over you up to that point, you're not going to be able to do it. Train them early. You know, that it's okay. Your kids can be told no. It's okay. I haven't seen too many who I know... I don't have to meet their parents, but I know they haven't been told no too many times. So train them early. Get these kids, teach them, train them the ways of Jesus. You know, it's like anything else. The earlier you start and you make that your life, it becomes your life. Amen. Amen. Like, why, why do kids believe that they are the social equals of adults? I, I don't, you know why? Because we live in a permissive society. And we live in permissive parenting to where your kid can come and go as he or she pleases. They, they make their own rules and you just kind of let it go because well, the people down the street, they gave their son a car and he kind of does what he wants, not Miles. You know, he went to a basketball game this past week. He texted us and said, I'm going out to eat after the game. First question, with who? Because show me your friends and I'll show you your future. <laughs> Don't let your kid, it's okay after a kid visits and not, never again. Never again is okay to say you love them and you pray for them, but some folks are not good company. Your kids do not need to be up and down with everybody. So I waited until he texted in the group text, and he said, okay, be safe, and don't be late getting home. Now, we've never gave our kids a time to be home. When they start driving, be home at an appropriate time. Because you live in this house. You ever seen us stay out to 2 a.m.? You ever seen us drag in at 4 a.m.? Do what you see us do. You, you don't get to make new rules, but permissive parenting. Let me tell you something. Kids like structure if, if you have the courage to do it. 
and they know you love them. When you give them structure, ask these kids that live in homes, they can do what they want. They'll be like, really, my parents don't care about me. Because you let them do everything. Does God, is he that kind of father with us? No, he, it's a lot of instructions in the Bible. Right? And again, social media is destroying people, church. Limit that. Limit that. It is not healthy. It's not all bad. You can find funny things. You can find good things. But you have to have a great balance in your life. And your kids need a great balance. And I'm going to say this for you parents. Over in 1 John, it says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. And you can make your children an idol. Because you see that sweet baby girl, you see, I, I saw Michaela, that, that, look at that face. <laughs> Who couldn't fall in love with that? And it was mine, and I was like, OMG, I love this girl. And it was so much that I didn't care about after that. When I saw my, he was so happy, he was like, I'm praying God to give me a son this time. Son of Graham, it's a son, he was so happy. And they both have brought us a lot of joy, but you know what the, the temptation has been? To make them little gods. And I'm gonna tell you, humans make bad gods. Because they, I mean, as sweet as your child is, your child was born into sin just like you. Your child is not a perfect person. They're just not. And so we hold them to these incredible standards that they can never reach. I mean, they're going to tell you little fibs that will turn into little lies when they get older, you know? But that's okay because they're human. Both of my kids are Christians. And they're not Christians because I told them so. They're Christians because they told me they were. Amen, church. So let's stand. Let's stand. We, we, was, on a, we was on a time limit, church. But we just pray the Lord said something here today. I'm going to ask the band to come on back up, and if we could just sing that last song when Pastor BJ was up, that would be great. And so, Lord, church, God loves us. He is for us, just like that song says. He is for you. He's for your generations. Look at baby Jolie Ray here today. I promise you, if one wrong dude stepped to her, I counted four guys up here. And it, it was so many more sitting out there for her. And the grandmas, and the aunts, and the cousins, and the siblings. Look how covered that sweet baby is. And God wants that for every child. But, but church, we got to get in line with the word. And we got to get off culture and what culture is telling us to do. And we got to be Christians. And we got to take a strong stand for the gospel. My, my first, first indicator of who I am, I am a Christian. Nothing else. I'm a Christian. Everything else gets in line behind that. As difficult as that may be sometimes for me. So right now, I just want us to bring our minds in. Let us all just lift our hands. And let's just bring our minds in on our family, our husbands, our wives, our children, our grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. And let, let us just think about how we can be better families, how we can love each other better, how, can we, how we can love each other just like that sacrificial love of Jesus, that unconditional love that called us into his beautiful story. Let us do that, church. Let's just bring our minds in and just, just call out the names of the people 
in your family that you love. Call their names out. Lift them up before God. Pray for them. Parent. Lord, teach us to parent our children. Don't let this permissive parenting spirit be in your church, God. Help us to parent our children according to the gospel, God. Help us to be strong husbands and wives for our communities. Help us to be good parents for our children.